0: Hey, you. Thanks for stopping by at another episode of Cannabis Legalization News. Uh, it's me, Tom. You can find me at, Tom at collateralbase.com. Uh All I do is really cannabis licensing, and uh, there's going to be a lot of litigation this fall work. Uh, Today, we're going to have a great deep dive into operating a cannabis dispensary in a highly regulated space, that space being in the state of Illinois. Uh, It's fairly high regulated in Illinois, especially compared to other markets that are breaking out all over the country. So uh, if you want to have a dispensary, awesome. That's great. You know, smash thumbs up, leave some notes about where you are uh, in in the country because they cost different depending on what state you're in. Uh, and of course, one of the conditions of all of those is that you have to be 21 or older, uh, but you can be 18 to vote, so change those laws.
1: Hey, Miggy. <laughs> Celebrating Pride Month. Happy Pride Month, all the boys, girls, and non binaries. That's right. Inclusion's important. Eric, thank you so much for joining us, man. Hey,
2: I appreciate you having me.
0: Uh, No problem. Hey, why don't you tell the people um, what you do and and what dispensary you work for?
2: I work for Trinity, uh, Trinity MMJ LLC. So we operate two facilities in Peoria. Uh, The original medical license over on university that serves medical and recreational cannabis. I personally manage the operations of Trinity on Glen. We opened uh, two years ago this coming July. Like I said, it's a recreational only facility. Um, love it, man. Just love what I do. So glad would be here talking about it. Great.
0: Yeah, like um, Illinois has one of the more strict uh, policies. And so you managed one of the newest dispensaries in the state because it actually opened in 2020 uh, as it was the plus one location. Uh, however, there hasn't been any new, new dispensaries since then. There's 185 that are starting to get released uh, coming in, I believe, July 15th will be the first wave of them. Over the course of this summer, but
1: that was from two years of lawsuits, man. Um, so, so, go ahead, me. Well, I was say because Eric's, uh, and we we're talking in a green room. You're also like a legacy for the state, you know, a uh, uh, medical uh, uh, brand, I guess, or, or, or grower. Um, real quick, Eric, I think you're cracking a little bit. You might want to come in, come out real quick, and we can get back into it. I don't know. Try talking to see if you want to. Uh, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Oh, yes. Yeah
0: there's, yeah, there's just a popping on the on the mic. And so the popping on the mic sometimes is, uh, hey, H. Illinois, what's happening? Uh, and, and so sometimes that's just caused by technology being a jerk. And, like turning uh, things yeah. on
1: and off. If you come in and come out, maybe it might kinda, uh, yeah. uh, be better, you know, mm-hmm. just like all things. Uh, now you're on mute. But all right. He'll jump right back in. But you uh, talked about the medical market, though. Like You guys, medical is something that... Is weird to me because you had a regulated medical market. You had already people with licenses and stuff. We didn't have to do that here. We just had no. to get a business license. No, we had we were basically consumer packaged goods from the start,
0: so it was yeah. a very limited competitive space. Eric, how's it going?
1: Now oh, you're on mute. On. Dang. <laughs> I, I think you. you're not, not. You're not on mute in the studio, but your laptop or something's on mute. Perhaps. Oh, there you go. Now he's on mute. Try it again. <laughs>
0: we have a bumper for this. Oh, yeah, we do. We do. We do. Because
1: this is not the first time shit happens. Hello, Eric. Are we in? We're close. This we're is live, there. though. This is this is the benefit of live, people. This is why... You yeah, you always want us. to
0: test your stuff, but you then, want, you know, not, it's...
1: We're just giving the, the information as it goes, right? Oh, like, not only is,
0: that, like it was working in the green room. And then, like, sometimes there's just technical yeah. glitches. We hit go, and then suddenly uh, the uh, the mic pop. And I'm like, that's
1: weird. That's like my life, though. But you know, uh, uh while Eric's Can, trying to get, we can't hear you yet. We, well, we, we can't we'll, hear we'll you. He'll
0: we'll, okay, be back. He'll be okay, back. Yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, yeah.
1: uh, yesterday, yeah. I had the, the privilege to attend a, 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 a cannabis, an LGBTQ, uh cannabis uh, for a, a scholarship. Uh, oh, this that's cool. Full, Fixed full spectrum program uh, to, to local Seattle, but they're also national. They work with uh the cannabis alliance and stuff like that. But uh, inclusion is really important, you know, like we're saying. And uh, um, it's a safe space, I think, out there. You know, it's not safe for all everybody in every state. But hey, Eric. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear oh, you yeah. Now. Not better now. All oh, right.
0: the pop is gone. Awesome. Right. OK, well, let's uh, resume our uh, interview already in progress.
2: Eric. That's my first podcast.
0: Awesome. Yeah, there you go.
2: Yeah, cool.
0: Well, the first podcast, but you've been in, uh, in the industry for a bit. Uh, why don't you explain again uh, what uh, you uh, do and which which dispensary you're working for?
2: All right, so Trinity on Lynn, the Recoli dispensary in the center here in Peoria. Um, actually started as a part time bud tender on the medical side, working my way up. Wow, which, you know, I I think is super important. Yeah, uh, we we were talking in the green room, so you know a little bit about my background. So I'm I'm. 41, you know, cannabis has been illegal most of my life. I've been in management for probably the last 14 years for some pretty reputable companies. And it was something that, you know, I always hid, like, you know, uh, I love cannabis. It, it's always like kept me out of trouble and kept me grounded, um, kept me focused, honestly. And it was like, everybody thought I was square, you know, I didn't really drink much. So I go on the weekends <laughs> and everybody be like, Water cooler talk Monday. Hey, what'd you do this weekend? It's like oh, I. Oh, I
0: finally don't have a headache.
2: Yeah, I watched <laughs> Nanny McPhee with my kids and went to the park, and they're like, "You're a dork," and I'm like, "Yeah, I smoked a fat Moonwalker joint before that, but I'm yeah. not gonna yeah. tell you about it." You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I feel like this was a natural <laughs> fit for me. You know, all the skills I've developed over the years just kind of like finally came together and, and make sense and. And, you know, I'm happy, like, and I think mm. that passion and, and being happy at what you do was really cliche for me until now. And I didn't really believe it. I thought the goal in life was to make as much money as you could so you enjoyed the time you weren't at work.
1: Sure. Now I'm
2: like, wow, I enjoy being at work. They were right. This is insane. thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never <laughs> working a day in your life. Yep. But the the, the yep. fact that you like climb the ladder, that just shows like the opportunity in the cannabis recreational industry. Like the, 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 the fact why legalization is important because I mean... You're now a general manager, right?
2: Yeah, so so oh, I was sweet. in the medical program and the dispensary offered me a job in sales. And I said, look, I can't quit my gig now, but I was really lucky. I was working an evening job um, for BSI, Vinokin Services, if you're not around here. But I mean, it's a pretty big cleaning outfit. They're in 11 states, 60 different cities. And I was managing all the high-vis counts downtown, the big hospitals. But that job started at like three in the afternoon with some meetings and then getting my crews out at like five six o'clock when places close so i was like hey will you take me midweek like tuesday through wednesday like open to two and they were like sure so i did both for you know a very long time and then when ret came about you know and they made the announcement in illinois um, you know, some of the folks came to me and said, you know, we think you'd be a good fit. Would you come on full time? Would you leave your other role and come on as director of rec sales? So, wow. you know, started on the floor working with customers, you know, kind of you know, like the feel of the dispensary, um, you know, wanted to just, you know, learn everything. And they saw that in me. So when mm-hmm. I took over as director of rec sales, I launched that rec program here, you know, out of the same site after a remodel in, you know, January, Of 20 and then you know we started pushing for that second side as well like everybody else who had the option you know
0: Mm -hmm. but now we're kind of doing a nice little glide into the highly regulated space that is a cannabis uh dispensary in the state of illinois uh going through not one but two build outs uh let's go through what you saw uh, and then let's kind of focus on the security protocols that are there uh why it but many people, they kind of underestimate how much it costs to open a dispensary in a highly regulated state. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I want to kind of dispel some of those myths for people. Um, so explain the, the build-out process that you know, the state requires the license holders to go through.
2: I mean, there's a, a ton of requirements. I don't want to divulge anything, you know, obviously. Nothing proprietary,
0: else, but, but just compliance. Yeah, yeah. So for compliance, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So, I mean, the security requirements are... are... know through the same you know as far as you know every inch of the dispensaries covered on camera i think everybody knows that it's not your typical environment it's like you know 300 plus camera views so inside now um it's got to be day and night it's got to be constant um the state has uh remote access to your cameras isp idfpr can log in and see anything inside now 24 a constantly um, big
0: brother like man and then so when i explain this to people they're like i'll go get a 700 dollar camera system from costco and i go Hey man, you're uh, in New Mexico. Maybe that'll work, but that's not how, and then you can cite the regulations cause they're in there and it's like, no, this is what the regulations say. The camera specs need to be. This is how much hard drive you
1: need.
2: You got to be and, able to read license plates at night with the IR. I mean, Oh I mean, my God. Yeah, I mean. Now is that
1: expansion from the medical law as well? Like is uh, talking to Tom earlier, your guys' medical was unique from our medical here in Washington where I just had a, grow a plant and then go buy a business license. I didn't have a cannabis permit or nothing like that. We weren't regulated like that when it came to medical. So
2: correct me if I'm wrong, Tommy, you're probably really familiar with the legal aspect is just as much as I am. But a lot of the administrative rules from the uh, original pilot program were just copied over. There was no, no new. We just, we abide by the same rules. Most of the time spent writing the, the recreational laws was surrounding like, the application process and how you're mm. going to get your permit and who's going to get them. And, right. um, but I mean, the administrative rules basically carried over. They, you know, mm. maybe amend some things here and there, you know, as, as things make you know more or less sense, but for the most part, we're regulated the same Right, very, very similarly.
0: Very similar. The only difference was really a citation change, but they Illinois always operated any legal licensed cannabis market as a consumer package goods market. They you would buy it from the producer already pre-packed in an eighth. It's ready to go on the shelf, and there's no bulk flour. It's not like the farmers' markets that Miggy often uh, opines about and waxes nostalgic, where you, the farmer's there with his or her wares, and it's just fresh. No, it's it's not. It's uh, it's it meticulously dried and weighed, and then shipped out the door. Uh, everything, and you don't. Like, uh, the experience factor is something that I would like to see, because I think you can regulate the plant with an experience factor of purchasing it, which is much uh, more consumer friendly or customer friendly. And so when I go buy cannabis in uh, Washington state and you walk into a shop, the shop has inventory, man. I could see why there's more robberies in Washington state. There are lax uh, regulations compared to that. And inventory is just on the wall and you can see it, you know.
1: Well, yeah, there's some, we do have our vaults and, and whatnot, but also, Eric, because it kind of leads us to the next question with your company in particular, are you vertical or horizontal? Like, do you guys, are you grow? Because I had the experience of uh, yesterday, I was at an event that was at a, uh, uh, a manufacturer, a processor. They, uh, they created carts, Halo Labs, and there was another processor there uh, uh, who makes hash, uh, Golden Grams. And uh, it was a neat conversation about how, like, because the store is very important. Like, the store is like a middleman. Some markets you can be part of the store; other markets not. And then the shelf space becomes a competition, which your sales experience comes into play. Um, yeah, are, are you guys you can, vertical, you can be vertically
2: vertically integrated in Illinois? And there's a lot of examples of that with Cresco and Sunnyside and Rise and GTI. But Illinois, actually, you know, going back to compliance and, and regulation, which is one of the, the topics here of running the dispensary in Illinois, um, they set thresholds on inventory, so that's not a possibility. A RISE store that's wow. operated by GTI can't be exclusively GTI product. That's lit in the regs. And the oh, state, uh, it, during inspections, um, you know, will run through Biotrack, which is a state traceability system, and they'll check those numbers and, and make sure that you're not sitting over a certain threshold in in inventory counts so
1: yeah that's an aspect i did not even know about like that you guys have like almost like they're trying to not force monopolies in a store because i mean stores are these they're like the portal to the people right like you know it's not just people going to grows they're going to a store and so your shelf space like is valuable Mm -hmm. and yeah and it
2: does make sense i think you know we you know We talk about, you know, it is heavily regulated. I mean, I definitely think that we can ease back on some things. But I'm also like, I don't want to see just like a totally open environment. I don't want to see a Colorado or a California. There's We have to find a balance because I know that we often think from the consumer standpoint, we definitely want prices to drop and we want product readily available. But for me, and not just my own, like I want good jobs for my staff, like too. And, And if it becomes a liquor store model or a gas station model, then, you know, who, who wants that? And then all of a sudden the influx of people who are like excited about working in the industry just wanes and it becomes a job again. And to me, like I said, the reason I got in was much more than that. Like, I'm happy. I, I don't I don't sit on the edge of the bed, put my work boots on, contemplating life, going, can I do this for the rest of my life? Like I've done with every job up until now. And don't get me wrong, I think I was really good at every job up until now. And now it's just the sky's the limit because I'm actually passionate about this.
0: Yeah, but how do you cope with full legalization? So like I don't, one of my big beefs with Illinois' limited market state is you are artificially supporting the price and then you're perpetuating the illicit market. So what was the policy goal of legalizing it? It Is the policy goal of legalizing it to secure guaranteed cash flows to particular license holders who happen to be lucky to get that license or is the, the goal to uh, reduce the amount of illicit sales and, and uh, provide availability for the product so that it can be regulated. It's like when it's federally legal, what's to stop California from flooding the market? What's to stop all these other states from doing that, and then you, I think you have a craft model and and you have um, a corporate model. And Illinois is really leading the charge as to the corporate model, just getting as much canopy space under management as opposed to uh, you have fifteen hundred square foot of canopy uh, under management. You can have a dispensary right next door, but you can't stock more than forty percent of of your product. I mean, even the craft grow license, uh, fully canopied at fourteen thousand square feet, probably going to be able to make about nine thousand pounds a year. I mean, it's it's still a fairly large operation, and so I I just think that there's aspects in the Illinois regulatory scheme that is setting the the industry up for a catastrophic failure, like after it goes
1: federally. Federal, regulated. yeah, yeah. Well, in, 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 I, in that sense, because I was having in that conversation with Halo Labs and Golden Grams, you know, the Golden Grams guy is a was a, a a legacy grower. He doesn't even really smoke; he just grows. So he's been growing for over 20 years now from the legacy market side down to the recreational side and his hash was phenomenal. So, you know, a lot of these guys just have processes and brands. Now you're talking about brands becoming a thing like the Budweiser. Like I don't know who brewed most of the beer that I drink, but I can tell you Elysian is a good brewery, you know, and now we're trying to associate with farms and whatnot. I think though your guys' regulation, though, it is setting you guys' uh, producers process up for failure because Here we do have more competition, so they do have to have like quality, good products. Because when federal hits, people are going to know what good weed's about, you you know, and that's 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 how people are going to learn, and that's what you're going to compete against. Post you, like, you guys kind of have a monopoly there in in Illinois right now, still. I
2: mean, you know, I I think that we're talking about two different things because I mean, most of that's from the cultivation standpoint, and I, I agree, we still have only 23. You can talk about craft, and like you said, it's different though. I mean, we're talking about. The guys who've controlled the market since MedDrop, that's the 23 licenses that haven't changed. Mm. And even though they got caught up in litigation, there were 185 in addition to the 110 and 55 more that are supposed to drop by the end of the year. So, I mm. mean, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of dispensaries. So, the competition yep. will be there and it should have already been. So, that's not the conversation we're talking about, really. We're talking about the people that are controlling the price points, that are controlling the market, that are controlling politics with big money. They're, they're above me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> or above all of us. <laughs> yeah, those yeah, but it's just going to be very interesting. And I, I would hate to see the industry get whipsawed like that. And I think oh, yeah. there's uh, a definite ability to insulate the uh, impact of it if you do have like the craft beer or a craft brewery, because that's local and people love where they live. And so they're going to buy it because it's from there. Uh, and, and that, that'll be nice, but you know, there's like 460 growers or something like that in Washington state with like, you know, 6 million people, even after you hand out every single craft grower license, now we're only at 150 of those craft grows and, and 22 or 23 of the big guys. And like, uh, I believe one craft grow and I, I used to do the math on this, I think it's 15, uh, one craft is 15 craft grows comprise one of the big licenses.
1: Well, that's why an open market's a fair market, right? Because then you have fair competition, and and, and quality is going to be the thing that prevails. Not, I mean, people will buy shitty weed, but the, it also <laughs> brings the price point down far enough that you don't go to the guy, and then the guy has no
0: excuse but to get a license. And so yeah. that's like, what's the policy goal? Is the policy goal to uh, take the market and then regulate it, or is the policy goal to make winners and losers
1: as opposed to? I know, would say winners and losers. Law. In the beginning of all this, it's all about the winner because you guys are still not. Like the KPI thing, like the lack of transparency in your guys' market. Your market still hasn't come to fruition yet. That's you know it's being stifled by the lawsuits and the 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 the, the litigations going on. It's it's Mm -hmm. insane. You know your your consumers really losing out. But being a store like like you're talking, Eric, you are kind of in a good position where you're not having to innovate except for like how you bring in the customers, right? Because as a brick and mortar, you're just trying to like. Hey, uh, come have an experience of purchasing and know that you're going to buy quality weed from our stores or whatever, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, beyond that, we do try to provide you know a unique experience, and I think that we do. Um, you know, like I said, I love my job, I travel around the state, I've been up to Chicago, I've seen the sunny side, the enlightenings. I've been down to Springfield and Callanvilles, I've been to the Ascends. Um, not just for the hell of it traveling, I, I drive sometimes on the weekend just to see what other people are up to. What are their processes? How are they checking people in? What's my receipt look like? What software are they mm. using? Right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and one of the things that I know that we do very unique is, is you know, we still provide an experience on the floor. It's, it still feels like, you know, we care because we do. So when we come in, you know, we've got four or five butt tenders on the floor that aren't tender and product, and other people, you know, that's a, uh, you know, they're looking at, you know, monetary weights and gains. Is it is it, you know, more affordable to have this extra staff or labor expense of people on the floor when they can be doing it here? Yeah. Well, it, it gives people more of a one-on-one experience to talk about product, to ask questions. So we didn't have that. So one thing we're talking about, not only lawsuits slowed down this thing, we can't tiptoe around that. We launched... The rec program in Illinois in January, and by the end of March, we we're in full lockdown from the pandemic. The, the consumers on the recreational side of this market here didn't get a chance to even start to understand. Well, some people hadn't even been out yet in the first quarter before lockdown happened. They got a lot of questions. They've never got to talk about it. We really went to, you know, every dispensary in the state went to online order pickup model, yeah, and, and so you weren't able to ask any questions. People were taking home hundreds of milligrams of edibles who hadn't used cannabis since the 70s and just eating it and, and wondering what the heck was going to happen. <laughs> so, you know, I really pushed. We were still in the heart of the pandemic in July of 20, you know, a lot of lockdowns and mass mandates. And I really said, you know, and the owners supported it. I said, when we open up, I want people on the floor talking to people. Okay. I don't want to try to be pushing people in and rushing people. People still have questions. People deserve to be educated, and they deserve to make good decisions and have good experiences with cannabis the first time. Some people won't try it again. You know, it's, yeah. it's hard. to know what to expect. Oh man, I ate an edible one time. Ooh, it wasn't for me. Well, you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe the time wasn't right. the
2: bottle of gummies. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot oh, different well. than it used to be. So. You know, we try to educate our staff continually, so there's a lot of different software. Is that a
0: regulatory there. compliance aspect as well? And so there's also it's not just the security, it's the safety that it goes on in the highly regulated industries. And so every employee needs to have a certification as soon as they've been hired or, like, within 90 days or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, the the responsible vendor training or yeah. whatever it is. Um, What types of uh, continuing obligations and what types of training uh, are required for uh, dispensary employees or agents, I think is what they're called technically?
2: Yeah. So just for the renewal, honestly, it's just that responsible vendor training, which is supposed to be eight hours of training. Um, We go above and beyond and we document all that. I probably bore the state with some of the documents that I produce and send to them with training. But Um, So we do any cultivator training that they recommend. We let cultivators send reps in and specifically talk about their processes, um, which helps our staff to understand. Um, When we start somebody new, that's a question they ask all the time. Hey, you know what? Like, how do I what's the training process? How do I gain knowledge? I say a lot of different ways. This industry is so new. There's not like one textbook that we can hand somebody. Right. So we do the responsible vendor training that's required by the state. I said, just looking at the menu and reading product district descriptions, you know, so you can understand the differences categorically in the products, talking to other staff. I mean, we've got 30-plus employees under the, the just Trinity on Glen, and everybody has different habits. Some people are big into RSOs or edibles or tinctures, or some people are straight flour And... Some people are concentrate. So if you don't understand one product category, just be honest and know that and start mm-hmm. to learn it from somebody who does. Yeah. And honestly, the customers, there's some educated people out there that we, one of the things too, when I talk about service, is don't pretend to be the know all people don't like that. They don't want to come in and have some cocky experience. Yeah. I mean, you do expect us to be the expert, but if you're not acknowledge it, let them know. So, Hey, let me grab Tom. He, he, he really is on the concentrate train. I'm not, I'm a flower guy. And, mm. and I want to make sure you're getting what you want. so, that's first and foremost, and I've gone to places that have given me bad knowledge about things that didn't even really matter. I was talking to a guy at a dispensary one time about consumption lounges, and he was like, yeah, the state really messed that up there. Too bad we can't do that. And in my mind, I'm thinking there's a lot of people open them. It is a thing. The state did allow for it. That's bad information. You should just not comment on it. You know." Yeah. So.
1: As a GM, Eric, is there a... Programs that you recognize as a as a hiring person that you identify like like the Gangier, like are there programs that you and there's another one Canvas Analytics here in Washington State that's actually being uh, accredited through the college uh, and they're actually expanding to other colleges are there programs that you recognize and say yes you you look better on the app resume versus the other guy
2: so I feel like there's a uh, shameless. Plug that you just kind of asked for. I don't know if you knew about, but yeah, go for it. I helped Illinois Central College, which is an accredited community college here in Central Illinois. Tom. I'm sure you you know, like right. Before they did respond that. to my email. What? Oh, sorry, maybe yeah. not. But
0: <laughs> so, it's just like it's like they uh, they have a, a program that they're going to get started. Then I'm assuming then it just uh, started. I helped yeah. develop
2: that program. I've been sitting on an advisory committee since last February. Yeah, I
0: emailed the them and I said, guys, you should apply for this. I could help. Nothing.
2: Okay, so I had no. I, I don't work for the university. I'm not going to go from from that. Yeah. End, but so I, I was on uh, part of uh, advisory board. We developed the curriculum, the content. We created a five week nice. program. It just started last week, actually. So I teach the last night, which is going to be a lot of a lot of this conversation, uh, a lot of supply chain, um, labeling yeah. requirements, you know, op stuff. And then the final night, night five, is going to be pathways into the industry where we'll have all the instructors come together and we'll try to give, you know, tips and tricks on where to look for jobs and who to talk to. And um, they've intertwined with the program something that I do like. I'm going to give them a shameless plug. It has nothing to do with Canvas, but a GP program, which teaches just essential skills. Yep. And I feel like the oh, yeah. workforce doesn't have that. They're just not tooth. I joked with my wife. I said, you know, people hear about a promotion and they'll be like super stand up for two days and then wonder like why they didn't get it, and it's like, well, I still remember that you didn't call, you called in every Friday for the last five.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, vocationals are,
2: like, yeah. you know, just teaching people how to be constant and reliable, and there's some of those skills that are interwoven into the class, too. You wind up getting three GP badges in addition to the certificate for dispenser agent training. So, so yeah, I mean, nice. I, I'm going to put a lot of weight in there. I helped develop it. I know there's some, so I thought of, I try to take everything serious. So, basically, when ICC came to me, I said, you know, I've I would like to put some things in this course that definitely would appeal to me. Some things like if you came to me in an interview and said, I already know this, this, and this. Yes. That's going to be appealing to me as a hiring manager. That's less things that I'm going to have to train because there is, there's a lot. There's a lot of little finite detail. And to me, you know, when we're talking about regulation and policy, compliance is king. And I don't think that's just in Illinois. That's most across the board. Just you will know, sum it up in one thing. Compliance, compliance, compliance. Compliance. Everybody is responsible for compliance at, at you know 24 hours a day at the end of the day I'm the one who always has to answer for compliance But I can't be all and see all so compliance right. everybody every little, every you know entry-level position needs to know how to handle cannabis and, and you know that my badge needs to be around my neck and visible when I pass into the restricted access area. They need to know the difference between the restricted and the limited access and the public access areas and Oh,
0: let's, let's see again this, these are all new areas and of terms of that like people oversimplify because they've mm-hmm. maybe sold some weed in college or something, and, mm-hmm. and so or they've seen a retail store and they think it is a liquor store where there's just very few uh, regulations. You stock your shelves, you you pay the people on the way out, uh, all that. But it's completely different with cannabis, and so uh, do they have access control keys? And so like do they have the click click thing? Uh, they, so they have to buzz in to get to uh, the vault and. And only certain
2: people. Everybody doesn't start and have access everywhere. So,
1: yeah. But in any business, though, right? It's not like – it's not the business that we thought about when you're in college. Like if I buy a pound and split it up and sell it to my friends down the street, I'm now a businessman. No. It's about having a brick and mortar and having this regulated market that you're contributing taxes to your local community. And then, you know, that the whole infrastructure of the – like. You went from a bud tenor to a GM. It's it's a whole business now. It's like if you wanted to open a bar. I can't open a bar tomorrow. I need at least one hundred k just to get started. Depending on what state it is, so. yeah, it's it's comparable to that. But
0: even bars don't have the same type of regulations. I mean, oh no, like it, one of the things that's really interesting, and so like the juxtaposition, and, and when you walk into it, a pot shop as I call them in, um, in Washington State, uh, it has inventory, and you can just see it on the walls. They don't do that in Illinois. We have uh, vaults and, and then more security on it. So you there's no product really on the floor. Uh, and, and that is for security and compliance reasons. Uh, and so, you know, how do they... I mean, that's that's one of the things. Like it, When they go back, they have to get... The, the agent is trained to go retrieve the product from a secure location. Like it's already locked and enclosed in that, right?
2: Yeah, you can only dispense from certain areas in, in the uh, facility you can't dispense directly from the vault. Um, so yeah, so we have an inventory day room, you know, we will inventory into us. So if you've been in Trent England, you can see yep. that we have like a, a, a post office box type system on the wall and inventory behind that. They set inventory into the box. The light lights up that lets the, you know, the agent who's working the point of sale know that there's inventory or product in there. Um, you know, we do the best we can, but also not our rules, you know, just keep the fault back just to stay compliant. Um, some of the cultivators have packaging that's clear or opaque and you can kind of see through. So, you know, one of our policies or procedures, if that's the case, we'll tip the jar at the point of sale. But also from a compliant we can't let go of it. We can't hand it to a customer. They can try to read it and you'll have people reach and they think we're being stubborn. Correct. but Like you can't, I can't. They've probably the bought, the bought in Michigan. Packages.
0: That's probably the it, problem. It, you, know, like it, it,
2: you want to read yeah. on it, but you can't. Right.
0: Yeah. right. But then, like, because I, I bought some in Michigan and they had deli style, and I'm like, we do not have deli style, where they no, just have uh, big glass a jars it. and like the little um, chopsticks, it's like Oregon, like Oregon, and so it's deli style, and you're like, you lucky sons of,
1: <laughs> but you know, Chad makes a point in the, in the in the in the comments here about education and as far as like. Uh, you know, none of the education sponsored by the states can talk about medical, right? It can't talk about the endocannabinoid system and, and make medical claims. How do we how do we approach that aspect of like bud tending and, and education as far as like health benefits go? Like, where do you, where do you see a, a program out there recognizing that? Do you, any, anywhere, Eric?
2: So I don't want to jump the gun, but I just think um, you know we can do more. So when community colleges start accepting grant money, which the dispensaries and cultivation centers have to. So what you said yeah there's a fine line if they if they're state sponsored. So this program that we're doing at ICC is not state sponsored. So uh, we're as a dispensary also you know to you know ring our own bell but we're one of the few in the state I have a full-time registered nurse that works with me at Glen and our wow. education department. She doesn't do sales or, her she strictly consults with people. She is a nurse right now, she's active, she works on the weekends part-time mm. still, you know, and keeps her license active. Um, She's also a pediatric cancer um, survivor. She's used cannabis her entire life since she was a preteen. And she's done countless, countless, countless research and still continues to. And that's a service we provide for free. Anybody who wants to consult with her, that's not just to help get your medical card to further our medical interests. That's people who already have a medical card and are unsure how to start using can come and schedule a free consult with Anita, our nurse. Uh, she's an amazing asset. But anyways, she's part of this program as well. And her, mm-hmm. and her assistant, Stephanie, have two nights of this course where that's what they talk about. They talk about <sighs> medicine. They talk about the endocannabinoid system. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about everything from the uh, – over my head, look, I'm the ops guy. I can tell you throughput and you know all the, the KPIs and, and inventory thresholds. but. They can, She can tell you inside and out about your CB1 receptors mm. and how cannabis interacts with the body. And they're teaching that as part of this program. And I see the first two of the five nights are really all about the plant and the plant science. There's a whole night on uh, stigmas and myths. Mm. They play the Reefer Madness movie and kind of show what people were exposed to back in the day and the kind of stigmas we're trying to, to bust down there. And then it just progresses up into today and then gets passed off to me to be like the ops and very business yeah. right yeah. to it kind of does. So,
1: But that's cannabis, right? It's this amazing plant that has so much like different people and business-wise. And, and it's not just like like the stigma where we're all just like getting high and sitting on the couch. I mean, that's what I'd rather do in life in general.
2: If, like no, if, if everything
1: true. was perfect, I'd be smoking weed right now playing video games. But no, it's like. There's a funny the joke. A- I don't
2: know the exact meme, but it's like Snoop. And it's like, oh, Snowders are like, like, how busy is he? they he like, <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, he's the busiest guy you ever met. I don't think he slept in a few decades. Uh, well, <laughs>
0: the, the myths and the stereotypes perpetuate. And one of the things that we always rail against as well is there is algorithmic suppression of our industry. And then One of the things we rail about less is that license holders also have um, their commercial speech rights substantially restricted relative to any other license holder. And so if you are a license holder in the state of Illinois or in the state of New Jersey, uh, there is a whole list of rules that your advertisements must comply with. Uh, and like, uh, just what your packaging requirements must have, if there was warning labels. I don't think Illinois officially has adopted a, a specific warning label like they have in some other states, with a particular, like you know, the the weed with the exclamation point label that you see in yeah, California. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but all of that comes in, and it's like, meanwhile, Spuds McKenzie was selling beer to children <laughs> in the '80s yeah. at yeah. the Super Bowl.
2: Yes, I think I what won a little heck? Spuds painted glass at a fair throwing cards (laughs) at balloons when i was a kid
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah, of course you know it's wholesome but it's one of those that's what we kind of are shooting for is just parody just the quality with uh, a substance that is if anything worse
1: for you you know like like here here uh, in washington (laughs) you love it but it's not the best thing for you you know but parody that you're talking about like here in washington where the gummies. The shape of the gummies. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, How, how dumb do you think kids are? Like, oh, I'm not going to eat the one shaped like a, a, a square, but the bare ones are all calling for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's dumb shit.
2: I saw a joke. I don't know if it was a real proposal, but they said the opposite because it's so hard for us to reach for that equality with cannabis. And we like to compare it to alcohol. Somebody proposed. All right, well, then just bring alcohol back and regulate it the same way. Let's start fake traceability systems and secured and limited access to areas and vaults and no yeah. displays and, and advertising restrictions. And let's do that. Oh, my goodness. List.
0: I yeah, bought, it's hilarious. And so, like, hmm. the, the lacks of restriction for uh, alcohol. And so, I bought some vodka from the Ukraine because, you know, hey, support them a little bit and get drunk. But yeah. then also um, in Europe, they have these little pour limiter spouts. Uh, on their alcohol containers. And so this one had it. And I had been talking to my girl about this earlier and just how in America, you can open just one of the bottles of Tito's or some American brand of vodka or whatever libation is of your choice. And then it just pours right out. There's nothing stopping it from pouring the heck out of there. Yeah, uh, yeah. But then like in Europe, they have these little stoppers. And so you can more carefully control your pores so that you're not going to over yourself. Meanwhile, in America, no, like they had Everclear on the bottom floor. So like right there, so a kid could just be like, here we go, Everclear. And then if you Everclear open Everclear up, it'll just, it. it'll just, you know, just, just immediately get out of the bottle because they have those large uh, glass lips. Uh, anyway, it's, it's the, the abject lack of uh, sense when it comes to regulating something. If you just look at it like, as it is, it's chemicals and go, oh, what does that do for you? Hmm. Well, what, is, what about this one?
2: Oh, well that sounds much worse. Really? So they just put it on the floor. I think the same thing with purchasing limits if you compare yeah. it the same way. It's like all right, I yes. can only buy twenty-eight grams or, or five hundred milligrams of edible, but if I go into super liquors right now with twenty-five grand cash and say, Hey, load up, you know, seventeen kegs and four cases of vodka and drink myself to death and giggle about it, they'd go, sure, let's help you out.
1: That'll
0: be
2: twenty-five fifty.
1: <laughs> <all right>. <laughs> Why can I buy cotton candy vodka? But yeah, I'm gonna go buy some terpene infused joint. Says cotton candy, but that's gonna call the kids. Or that's- like, yeah,
0: Mike Mike Tyson can't sh- sell some years, and yeah. then it had nothing to do with the copyright claim or the uh, you know the uh, yeah. I think Evander Holyfield had it's a claim shape. against him on that one, but um, <laughs> yeah. which one? I'm not sure. I'd have to do some experimenting on that, but it, it's just so ridiculous. Like in New Jersey, if you're gonna do uh, an ad. They have a very specific, like two digits. So it's like, I think it's 71.43. I could be wrong. I don't have the regulation in front of me. But you cannot run an ad on like, you know, broadcast media. So like, we'd be good because we have data in in YouTube. We're like, nope, 90% of our viewers are over 24. Uh, Here's the data. And um, so it had to be like 73.41% over the age of 21. If you want to run a commercial for cannabis.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think they, I don't even know if they have a threshold here. They just it's so vague that they can enforce how they want. It's just like you can't yeah. market to anybody under twenty one. So any medium where somebody can't say, Hey, hundred percent of our market is XYZ, you know. Do you yep.
1: guys have uh like uh bands on like the leaf? Like any representation of the pot plant on display? Yep. That's yeah. dumb shit.
2: Yep. So anything that would be considered marketing, um, so anything that we may give away, so with our logo too. So like if right. we got a Trinity logo and a canvas leaf on a t-shirt, we could give it away. We could sell it as merchandise, but the second that it becomes marketing, you know,
1: that's so it, fucking dumb. though. Yeah. why is there this, this barrier of like I can't it's give this standard. away, huh? It's a double standard. It's it, just, yes. it, just so infuriating. <laughs> like it sounds. It's like it's like while they're doing their lines of cocaine, we're gonna make rules about like this is the line for like weed. Like this is just dumb yep. it makes no sense
2: yep. I, I think the problem is and I, you know, I don't want to upset anybody about me but i just think that the legislators who are controlling a lot of the laws that really don't understand or have ever used cannabis right? no
0: they are completely <laughs> politicizing it in my yeah. opinion like i have never seen a more politicized rigged system than illinois adult use cannabis licensing structure and like I look at what they're doing in New Mexico and what they're doing in New Jersey. I'm getting my law license in New Jersey. It's like, I need to learn what you guys did and then report on it to the state of Illinois because, damn. Uh, and, and so it's just ridiculous. But um, these craft grows might now get held up for another year because of lawsuits. Um, it's great. And so then the dispensaries now because more availability of dispensaries, more coffee shops, more coffee sold. So, more availability these dispensaries, and then who's going to be supplying them? The same 23 companies that are currently supplying
2: Yes. Dang it. Yep. <laughs> and not only that, but the, the taxing on the, the recreational side in Illinois is just, uh, it's just tough. You know, it's so tough. I know one of the things you talked about, and you know, being out west, and we love quality too. We've all, we all, you know, that's what we saw in the legal market. The first time I went into a dispensary with my medical license, it wasn't because I couldn't get cannabis. It's because... I loved everything about it, and I wanted to see that high times cover shit. That's what yeah. you know. I had cannabis yeah. at home the first time I went to the dispenser. I wanted purple and pink. <laughs> what a big cooler, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like but then
0: it, like, then it became like then once they had home grow, and you yeah. could bring, you could control genetics and bring in a harvest like um, that. I'm not is, saying that
2: there's uh, not some good product available, I think that actually.
0: We're, we're know, spoiled.
2: Gonna decent. I'm not going to say we're yeah. up there to Cali standards, but there's some decent product in the Illinois market. But by the time mm-hmm. you tax it, not even the cultivators control the price. But by the time you tax it from the state, I mean, these recreational customers can be paying, you know, 80 and $85 for, for 3.53 80 hours. And so that's, you know, when you're talking about that earlier, yeah, the craft market is a different market, but it's going to be tough to compete. You know, I think. The the twenty three still control it. They if they start dropping their prices then yeah. and that gap is bigger and bigger. And and you know everybody wants good smoke, but they also just they want smoke. So that's right. <laughs> I that's mean, right. The so dispensary and they're like, oh, I can get this house for two or two fifty, or I can get this eighth for ninety. There mm-hmm. they're it's going to be tough. You know, and they
0: could turn on the spigot. They have so much canopy space. So the price, uh, wholesale prices in Washington are based, no, no, retail prices in Washington are basically wholesale prices in Illinois or in New Jersey. Uh, And and so like um, same with like when I bought that stuff in in Cali, it was like 30 to $35. You are buying a quality eighth and that's out the door. Like after all the taxes on top of it, yeah, Uh, that
1: puts the guy down the street out of business. Yeah. You know it's yep. funny you how you, you mentioned the term of spigot when it comes to your guys' market in Indiana because it just makes me think of like OPEC, right? Like gas could be totally cheaper if these assholes would just like do more business, you know, do more output. But no, uh it's controlled by paid instead. They're, just, they're like, yeah. good, good. <laughs> I like money and, yeah. and, and, and screw everybody else, which is horrible. Yep. But that's also not what cannabis at police- least in the business side of things that we think about in the early days, right? All the hippies and and just giving. And then you see it, like it, it is an agriculture product where if there was a free market, open market, people would grow excess and then have enough to give away, which had done for like uh samplings. But like just the fact that they make that a crime, you can't give away your product for samples. Uh, we have the same merch issue here where it's like, they can sell it versus giving away. I just don't get this. Like why can I, I think just shit? simply
2: said no gifting of cannabis in the Illinois laws there right mm. now? I, no
0: please. gifting and that's one of the reasons why and I was going to ask you this question by the way. Uh jabs for joints. Remember when everybody because of the pandemic oh, yeah. some of the headlines that you'd see were if you showed your covid vaccine card you'd get a joint. And I'm like that would never fly in Illinois. That is yeah, no. impossible.
2: Yeah. And
0: and I would love that I would to have be to a Moderna, and, you know,
2: good
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, but yeah, you cannot job, do it, <laughs> you know. And so it's all these regulations, and so I can't wait for full legalization because that's when the industry can really start fighting and be like, "No, we do actually have the right to say this on television, just like we are a beer company." Right now. You're really kind of at their mercy. I mean, you're at the mercy of even the, the federal not shutting down the adult use. They have the funding. They can't come after your uh, medical operations, and they don't have the funding for that. There's actual case law on it, and so like we can attack them in the courts. But the uh, it's, it's sad. I mean, like, but you know, why? It just but it's the one sentence law, like Cross This Out Act of 2022. We know this word right here in the controlled substances act cross that out cross end it out. of bill yeah and, and they're like but we have to fix all these other problems no we don't we've been fighting over those for decades <laughs> yeah if we wait until we fix out. all those other problems <laughs> yeah let's start and then let's start fixing it because you know yeah. that's gonna
1: you're gonna need to do that
2: it's not gonna be perfect anyway just let's yeah. roll with it in, we'll figure it out yeah
1: what do you guys see for you guys' market out there? When when do you see, like, anything happening? Because, you know, while you guys are about to expand, because, I mean, you guys can choke the shit out of, Oklahoma's about to be construct- constricted. Like, they're mm-hmm. they're coming up on, I think, an August deadline where no more new licenses. Like, they're going to try and control their market. They're happy they about
0: it. A lot of the people in Oklahoma that I hear that are trying to get out of Oklahoma, they would be fine if the price went up. And so it's this fine balance somewhere that's what I was saying earlier. I'm not yeah. going for
2: blah pho- and I don't know yeah. anything about Oklahoma other than hearsay. I'm not going wild, wild that, west, wide open. open. We yep. Wild West is the reference I hear. So yep. I think they need to be a little bit more reined in, and we need to loosen up a little bit, and we just got to find that happy balance in there where it's a good market for the consumers, where we're putting out good product, and there's still good jobs for people in the industry. I think that those three things, in my opinion, are all. You know the most important. So. I
0: think they're doable, but then the way that they're doing it—that's one of the reasons I've been more impressed with Michigan and and now New Jersey. I think is doing a pretty decent job of rolling out, and New Mexico looks like it's uh, the most open the adult use market, but water rights are difficult down there, uh, and it's all very local wherever you go. But uh, the. The overhead costs that you must bear because of all those compliance aspects and because that it's federally illegal and you can't access, I don't know, like credit cards so that your cash handling becomes substantially less risky. The security, I think you're going to have. I think it's like a casino. You're going to have the security because that's a fungible product. Somebody can just take and sell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even I mean it's
2: just the operational requirements, yeah, are just like none other. I explain that to new people in the interview process. I go, look, any other retail environment, I'm counting six Snicker bars at the end of the day. Inventory says I have seven. There's a line on your PL for that. There's a loss I have already filled in. Lost a Snicker, no big deal. Hmm. But in this industry, it's you know, I, a clock starts ticking and little right. administrative law says I've got forty-eight hours to locate and correct that incident myself or I notify the state, and then I'm subject to fines. Right. Uh, even if I find it at that point, I don't get fined. You can't tell me the nature of the game is that I'm on a list at some point if I start to incur a lot of those types of incidents. So, yeah. uh, and and that's
0: inventory not. control. I mean, like that's a whole, yeah. whole aspect of your plan. People will ask me, well, why does it cost so much to get an application for an Illinois cannabis dispensary? And I'm like, because it's complex as fuck. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and they don't get it, and so I'm like, all right, but then, like, for you know, New Mexico, I'm like, eh, five grand, you know, here's your social equity plan, here's your LLC, I'd set it up this way, good luck, you know, and, and then that is not Illinois at all, and no. then you know, New Jersey, somewhere in between, like, it's, it's about 150 pages of documentation, not hmm. 500 pages of documentation, so maybe that'll be the right balance. Uh, but I think they really need to not. Skimp on security as security is. I mean, you read about a lot of robberies in
1: Washington state. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing stepped up security. Like, I'm only imagining these guys are incurring more costs now because they didn't ex- they didn't plan for this kind of security. Uh, there was one of these places I go to, uh, they actually had a built a two tier buzz system, like, they're not fucking around, so you know, that cost him, you know, five grand, whatever he's got to eat up the cost for a while. So, you know, if you don't plan ahead. You know, and then the shit like what's going on here, the armed robberies and, and people actually getting shot, you know, uh, you, good security is fucking a thing, especially for your shots, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. Shit. I yeah. can't help but think that, like, you know, hopefully, maybe I'm just an optimist, but just the tucky, tough economic times right now, too, are making people desperate enough to do things like that. So it's beyond cannabis. I mean, the government needs to get their shit together and we need to build middle class here again.
0: So oh, yeah.
2: Like that sorry, that's a whole side. No, game. no, it's it's yeah. true, and
0: people like don't get it because like I run a, an online business with my law firm and my consultant firm that's online. All of my dependencies are managed in Canada. Like there's no software providers in the United States really anymore because of how expensive healthcare is and how expensive student loans are. Uh, trying to compete in a global information marketplace. And you don't pay for your citizens' health care or their education, you're just setting yourself up for the kind of crap that's going on right here. Yep. 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 But, you know, I think if we had more cannabis available. More people would realize that.
2: Yeah.
1: What would be a better option? <laughs> Wellness, right? It would be like, do I want to smoke it because I have, uh, 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 what do you call it, Crohn's disease? Or do I smoke it because I have a case of the Mondays? Yeah.
2: Either way, it's therapeutic, you know. Exactly. And I didn't know that until I got older, but, you know, I was reading something not too long ago, and it goes, you know, most people who use cannabis, and even if they say they're a recreational user, and you start asking questions, you ask the right questions, you know, maybe like, hey, I like to smoke before I go out. Well, why? Well, you know, I don't know. It just makes me more comfortable, and I talk to more people. Also, quantum your social anxiety. Oh, I guess yes. it does. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> – like yeah even on the recreational side like i really believe that there's just so many benefits to it that you just don't even understand what you're getting from it or what your body needs of it you may just be having a good time but you know everything inside you is having a great time too you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah
0: you're balancing your endocannabinoid system and that helps your body regulate itself uh, and and get out of whack but that concept like there's a medical application for cannabis is still denied by many people in political office that have power over all of us. And I just don't get it. I'm like, you're, you're just, it's kind of like the people that are against global warming. I'm like and now we're about to have a nice heat wave here this week. Uh, mm. and, and so uh, it's, it's just bizarre that people will put their beliefs well over any evidence as uh, compelling evidence, uncontrovertible evidence, just like duh evidence, and they still won't believe it. And and then once you realize that's the world we're living in, you go, oh shit, I'm going to get some. Weed.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say something horrible probably. But when this pandemic broke out, I remember I was still working because we were essential, and I just kept yeah. hearing about Tiger King, Tiger King. I came up one weekend. I told my wife, said, we got to watch it. Everybody's watching it." And I looked, and said. Everybody in America is stupid. They're all home right now, and this is what they usually yeah. watch. They can watch yes. any damn thing on TV and this is it? I fell asleep ten minutes in episode one. Hey man,
1: the Kardashians have been a thing. You know, you can't just point out to one moment in America. Never heard of them. Yes. No, I'm just
2: kidding. <laughs> well you know what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. I'm just kidding.
1: But you know, the thing is, like we are we constantly shoot ourselves in the dick. Like, like, like it's like why. Right now, today would be a good day for the act to go through, right? Like if, if there's, but why is it not going through? Because these jackasses have the cacao bill that they want to push through, which the parliamentary procedure is a pain in a freaking ass. Like this, is the mm. whole how to get to anywhere with government, yeah. you know. More focus, needs a bit a Schumer, like you know. The reason why there's not so much outrage with cannabis and its and its and its, and it's prohibition is because the people who are suffering are fucking locked up. And they have no voice. Uh, Yeah, Craig Cecil can't get a job. Yeah, what the heck is up with that? And so, like, I I look at the social equity requirements, and
0: like, some of them, I'm like, you have to live in certain specific areas for a long time. And I'm like, you realize that violates the dormant commerce clause. And then, uh, then you look at the other ones where it's like, you had to have been caught with this much to this much weed. And you're like, what? So, like, you're saying that. There's levels of wrong? Like what, are we legalized? What are we doing here? Like, what's our policy goal? Or yeah. you could have 10 full-time employees so you can buy your way in. Uh-huh. And like
2: it goes ah. to the most social equity. Not social equity, but there's there's scales and, and ratings of it, right?
0: Yeah. It, it's it, well, it's the limited license and then it's the social equity. And so it just seems like it was created so that it would fail and just you know, kind of meander in courts for many years. And therefore, the people that had the the rights, like the pipes, the the you, you know the licenses, now they're the only game in town.
1: Well, you know, this social equity argument is is a, a needed one, but it's also one that's going to be like I honestly don't think like state by state, it, it wasn't an issue when they first started legalization, right? Like Washington State had no inclusion of in social equity in the, in the law. Later on, they they try to re- look at it, but the thing is, if you have a fair and open market. That's where you start, right? Because then you don't need a, a social equity law because we're all starting with a fair equal grounding. Whereas you guys had this mysterious KPI fucking KPNG. Uh, it's, KPNG. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a very large accounting firm. Mysterious, uh, yeah. like like the transparency, though, for like, again, there was no equalness. There was no equality in that thing because it was just people with money. It had nothing to do, with, you know, color whatever. It was just money. That's what yeah. all this has been about. You yeah, know, there's green a is a lot the color. Of
0: greed. And,
1: well, you know, greed's an okay
0: thing. It motivates people. Really? <laughs> you just have to regulate it a little bit, you know, and I make sure that the rules are fixed.
2: That's how every program has started. I don't, <laughs> don't think any of the politicians in any of the states with a medical or rec program started because they cared about cannabis, to be honest.
0: Yeah, right.
2: No, it was they, for the taxes. I don't think that's unique mm-hmm. to Illinois. No, and that's, that's some of the problem. <laughs> no. I
0: think if the, the, the legislature understood the plant a lot better... Uh, there would It would be just as subsidized as corn. People would be championing it. They would be saying, like, we made the, the ethanol. would be made from hemp herds or, or seeds. Uh, and then it, all sorts of other stuff would be great. Uh, they don't do that, though, because there's other industries that are already in the way. Like, for one, the petroleum companies. Uh, they already get the money. As soon as you have the cash flows, you don't want to give them up. What, you, you want know? them to continue.
1: Yeah. But not just the monies, but it's also the, the, the ignorance that's been instilled in these people's head, right? There's a bumper that they can't get through. Like, well, no one's going to die. The world's going to be better off if, like, this plant can be used for both wellness and industrial, like, products. It's, it, but they can't wrap their head around this, like, multi-platform plants, <laughs> you know? It's, yeah. it's more than one
2: thing. Unfortunately, I think you hit the root of it. I mean, I know that most of it's centered around greed, but... I mean, to be honest, I had this argument with somebody, you know, a friend of mine was like, man, if we converted every cornfield in Illinois to, you know, hemp or cannabis, I mean, it could do so much more. And he said, you know, you talk to a lot of people and, and you got a good voice. Like, you know, how would we get that done? And I said, to convince the right person, it's going to make them a lot of money. Right. And so and, and look, I got to clarify this. I'm a realist. So when, when I say that people think I'm some greedy, mon- I'm not right. I have two young kids. I live in West Peoria in a very modest house. Like no, I used I'm to live I'm there <laughs> like everybody else. It's just, it's real. And I'm just honest. I said, look, anything right now that's doing good only did good because somebody's making money. I said, dude, wind power, everybody's super excited. Somebody's building the damn windmills. Somebody's selling them to people and making yeah. fat commission checks. Like, and
0: predictable like, cash flow. The
2: byproduct is that yeah. something yeah. good happens. That's the byproduct. Yeah. Nobody got into it for that reason. <laughs>
1: well, and that's why I've always been like, MSOs do suck, but like in the end, rich people don't want to go to jail. So if we can get these assholes to realize, like, hey, we changed the law to Morak, Because competition, This it's right. They're all afraid of, like, there's going to be this big, crazy competition. But homebrews haven't put out Anheuser-Busch. Homebrews haven't put out new craft breweries that are coming out. Oh, you they know, get bought out. Yeah. And
0: so they get bought out and they get a bigger distribution deal. And And it's a farm system. And that would be great because then you can have all these new brands that can come up. That's what I believe in at least, uh, you know, let the municipality set the number of dispensaries. Uh, if they want that many dispensaries, that's all they need. That's what their rubric is. They don't need anymore. But uh, don't limit the number of cultivators and start them real small. Like in Michigan, they have a hundred plant license. So there is no reason why anybody should be selling weed illegally.
1: Uh, and allow-
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. well. Allow the craft growers to get involved into the the, the big market, right? Because people are going to buy good weed and bad weed, but we all have to have an understanding of what that is. Well, you have to allow the person that cultivates
0: and thinks that they have the great stuff into the game. And so if you don't do that and you make it this locked out structure that is just so dependent upon cash flows and then using those cash flows to justify a stock price, uh, it – it it, be, it it creates little disturbances in in the uh, in the culture that I prefer to avoid seeing.
1: Yeah. It's monopolies
2: I mean, gave, God, and keep you know the the old old driving thing. home um, taxing is is still you know important to me. I don't know that we can do anything about that in the state. That's why they gave it to us. But you know, no matter how much competition in the market, we can sell eights for you know forty or thirty or twenty. But if we're still paying a you know a fifty percent tax rate on it. Yeah, it's we're not giving much really yeah. no matter how cheap we can sell cannabis for i mean yeah
0: they shouldn't have taxed it at that ridiculous oppressive level because it's just it, but they it's a cash grab grab the cash that's the name yeah. of it and we are the state of illinois we're putting it in our pockets thank you very much and now they're going to have another 185 outlets out there for more ca- cash to grab uh but uh, I don't know. I mean, it's very difficult to lower taxes. Maybe that's going to be what the uh, people run on for the state legislature in
1: 10 years. It's like, I will lower cannabis taxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, if enough go. people buy, cause you know, they're throttling your market. They don't, you don't know what the true potential of your guys' market is, you know, like, not at all. Uh, yeah,
2: no, no, right. yeah, It's
1: it's got to be at least
0: I double what it I said, is. We
2: started in a pandemic, and we really we we just eased out of it, you know. Like, and there's not enough retail to, outlets. Time to go, you know. Right, legal, woohoo, and you know. <laughs> but the, how, how many like of the cannabis purchases are impulse? Like, oh my god, pandemic! Go hide, stop yeah. my.
0: <laughs> but think about how many how many of the purchases for cannabis would be impulse buys? Like, you know, if there's more coffee shops, you're going to sell more coffee. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why it'd be great to be more of a vertical operator because you could sell, you have a great shelf space agreement for about 40% of your uh, shelf at whatever the uh, retail location you own. But then also, you know, you can sell the rest out to somebody else and there's going to be greater amount of sales because there's a greater amount of sales points. Right. Uh, and that, I think, is going to double the the industry as soon as those 185 are out. And we might be getting up towards two and a half to three billion dollars. But that might take another year or, or two because they have to get all that ca- canopy and all those uh, locations open you know
2: yeah yeah plus you, I mean, don't... you know you know what is going to evolve from this industry and I, like I said you know the pandemic and in the pause of these licenses because not just the craft grow licenses but there's you know there's process licensing in there because the craft grow alone only allows you to produce dry cured flour right
0: no they really screwed up this industry the infuser can do nothing Mm. They have to buy the oil from the craft growers. That's the what I'm infuser saying. but they but the, so the, the, the craft, craft grower can do everything the infuser, light, the infuser right? can. No, the craft grower can do everything the infuser can. So the infuser is really almost as worthless as the transportation license, which is really mm. worthless. And so um it's it's one of these where you're just looking at like Illinois relative to other states, and I'm just like
2: So do you think the license is irrelevant now, but that's framework for the future for like cafes like we all want, like they would be able to buy... With or be able to get and infuse their license. And I really, their their so. I really hope so.
0: I really hope so. But that requires yeah. regulatory change yeah. because of all the edible products regulation. So like, we really don't have a lot of seltzers in in the state. Or like hi fi hops. Is Lagunitas hi fi hops? Is there a contract for that yet? Because I don't think I can buy it. I can't buy my weed beer yet. Like I could if I was in California. And, and why? Because Lagunitas operates in both states. You know. Yeah. Uh, however, there's also uh, what's her name? There's a couple of them. One, there's an entrepreneur in Peoria that has a, an infused ice cream business. It's I can't remember its name right now, but it's great. And then, uh, so it's infused with alcohol and then she might also start oh, doing wow. CBD products or maybe Delta 8, but there's no license for her to be able to get uh, the THC product because you can't have something that requires refrigeration or something like that. There's like some regulation huh. for the infused products for that. And then how do you do the dosage? So, like, you know, that kind of stuff. They, they would need to change all those regulations uh, to enable it. And, and I hope they do. But it, it's been a terrible rollout. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. yeah.
1: That, wow. I mean, you guys. Hey, look, look I'm optimistic.
2: this. That means we have a lot of room to grow.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sky's the limit.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but that's like the whole country, though. A, no. <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah. And
0: it's going to the next one that I think is going to be interesting is um, New York, uh, because we really still haven't seen New York's rollout. Uh, And if it and I keep telling them, like, do it more like New Jersey than Illinois. And I think they will. But, uh, you know, there's six hundred and twenty Starbucks in in the state of Illinois. I'm fairly certain we could support at least six hundred and twenty dispensaries, probably more than that, maybe like twelve hundred, because not every coffee shop. Is a Starbucks, you know,
2: and maybe spread them out because if they did twelve hundred, there'd be you know one thousand one hundred ninety eight in Chicago.
0: Well, <laughs> uh, it's a sixty. It's a, it should be a, in theory a sixty forty dispersion split because you just look at the math and the people, you know, uh, on a plot. It's like sixty percent of the people live in the Chicagoland area. So that out of thirteen million, whatever that is, you know, about seven million, and then you have about six million everywhere else in the, hmm. in the
1: state. That's sixty yeah. percent, though. Do you think a lot of that is like out of state traffic? Like, I w- I, w- I think thirty three percent. Yeah, because the importance of this recreational market is safe access, right? Like, if I was to come to Illinois for a week, I would buy weed one time at the dispensary at sixty dollars an eighth because you guys are so expensive. But then I'd find a guy just because you guys are so damn expensive. Like, they're really squeezing out. It's the novelty of why you make the purchase the first time. After that, the price point you really care about what you're paying for. You know. Yeah, yeah, but.
2: It's, it's a little bit. I mean, everybody, you know, has different habits for different reasons. I think people are still really excited about it. Um, I think that there's a certain piece of the market that we see anyways that are just like, man, I'm just so happy to be able to purchase it legally. Yeah. And, yeah. and have that level of comfort and no guys, you know, to have my label package. You always it.
0: have a supply. It just oh, may be yeah. more, more expensive than you want to pay. But you have a supply. And it's a decent supply. I, I just wish that there was more openness in the industry. I think it's over-regulated in Illinois. They overshot. and Now, maybe over the next 3, 5, 10 years, uh, it'll come down. because They're getting an early start on regulating the plant, unlike some of the other states that are out there. Uh, and then the regulators are all talking to one another, and they're seeing what works versus what doesn't. You know, I don't know why they – limiting the market like that, to me, just makes me think like – you know better than the laws of supply and demand and like local (laughs) non-conforming use, you know? Um, but all right. I I realize it needs to be a regulated industry because it's something that requires safety and security.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Regulating the, the product, but you know, I mean, they definitely could do better. I mean, it could definitely be – operating costs could definitely be less, which would save everybody money in the long run. Right. Uh, more competition, not only from a dispensary level but from the cultivation level because they're the one who's, you know, dictating the price here in Illinois. And definitely, you know, I you know drive back to the same thing that 35% tax on 35% or more flour includes yes. every vape product, every concentrate product categorically. Yep. And in Illinois, it's been a race to the top to produce high THC flour, and that's what the consumers are wanting, and they're driving the market supply and demand. So I get that they're trying to compete, but that just raised the tax up even more. And then you've got a 3% city, a 3% county. You're looking at 41% tax.
0: And then the guy, the guy's selling it all day for 35. And you're like, (laughs) you know, uh, that they're setting themselves up because they want to take it all. But then they, they don't realize that um, by doing it in that that way, uh, they're just gonna not really change anything, and they really haven't. They, they, Chicago's actually been shutting down these uh, illicit markets that started to pop up after full legalization, where you know people weren't arresting anymore. So we'll just do it on licensed cannabis business, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, cash flows were okay until they started tamping down on it. Uh, and so that that wouldn't exist. If they were able to get licenses and they were able to comply with the law, but they aren't.
2: Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh, if people could come in and, you know, didn't break the bank and it was no more costly than my office. I'm certain everybody would prefer to shop at the dispensary. They're getting a labeled product. It's been tested. They can be right. more confident in, in the purchase and assured and that they're safe and, and legal and compliant. So, yeah, I mean, you know, once pricing can come down, I definitely see, you know, a sliding from the black market, but you know, in the way it's up right now, prices are, are
0: where they are, <laughs> presses are where they are, but then that's because licenses are where they are. And so, I think my, my thesis is that if licenses were more available, uh, the you wouldn't have to have all that, could actually, you might still because then you have this super high tax burden, and so that super high tax burden by itself can always lead to uh, an illicit market as you're saving dozens of dollars on your purchase you know I mean, and that's
2: the whole thought process in california right now they're not looking at you know uh, dispensaries and cultivators they're all in mutual agreement from a legacy standpoint that they need to abolish the tax to kill the black market oh yeah i mean yeah
1: but you know part of the besides the black market and, and the licensing part and, and we're talking about a regulated market you we have to consider like in part, those licensees need to take that product to a lab to get tested because in the end, this is what the regulated market is, right? We're going to have tested product in a safe accessed area. You know, that's that's what regular any uh, prohibition is about. It's like having a liquor store where it's going to be a safe place where I buy it and I know what's in the, the thing, you know. And unfortunately, liquor, like we're talking about parody. you know, that's the only reason why I talk about liquor stores. You know, it's not like liquor and cannabis are the same substance of good times, you know, but. It's just the market that we're trying to like show, as far as a regulated market goes. Um, it's the best comparison, yeah. But testing is going to be a thing that lowering the the cost of testing. Because here in Washington, when they legalized weed, uh, the biggest thing in, in the, they don't still ha- don't have to test the same gamut that they do for medical products, right? Which is insane to me. But a lot of the people fought against that because they don't want to have that cost incurred already with the taxes. But then you have the, the cost of lab testing. So we have
2: the strictest testing requirements in the country. Top, right? I mean,
1: wow! I know that the reporting and
0: recall and quarantine requirements—they're onerous. They are. I mean, like just writing all that stuff—it's dozens of pages of, of each plan that you have that you must do. Uh, and then, you know, what types of uh, testing requirements do cultivators have to do? Do they define a lot, and but then they? to find it, uh, you know, as as large as they could, so they have to continue to test everything more more often than they should.
2: But yeah, I, I mean, not. I don't know, you know, I can't speak from the cold face standpoint, but just from what I've read, we have the highest part per million here in Illinois as far as minimum threshold requirements and testing, and I know they can do multiple tests. I mean, they say only one test, I think, for flour, but if you fail, then you can make a, a different product from that and submit that for retesting. So maybe your flower doesn't pass the microbial or has too many parts per million in mold, then I think they can make a, a distillate or another mm-hmm. product out of it and submit that for testing. If that passes, then they can use it, you know, for baits or edibles or so whatever. So you guys but, do
1: have a boundary of, like, cannabis is bad, but it can still be used for mold of gold versus... Well, the, it, the, it's the product. And so, like, the
0: product itself, you can process mm-hmm. the plant and then the the bad actor gets screened out in the processing. Yeah.
2: But, yeah. So you I might just, have a flower that doesn't pass because of thresholds, but then you, you know, make a distillate from it and that will pass.
0: Okay. Sure. Sure. Cause it's so that's why there's a lot of, uh, oil-based products. And sometimes I hear that, uh, when you're purchasing from, uh, your, your vendors, they like to require you to buy oil-based products as well. Is that a, how do, how do you go about buying from vendors in the state?
2: There's really no requirements. That's, I'd say that's a myth. I mean, there's an offer. I think the misleading thing from the public, I won't get, you know, too into details, but, you know, they make what they make. They have what they have available and they're trying to make that available to everybody else. They do try to be fair about how they <laughs> disperse it. So, you know, maybe somebody falls in love with a given strain. And I get them a med patient too. It's tough. It's like G6 is my medicine and now it's not available. And it's like, well, you know, that's the, the and they think it's us. How come you didn't order enough? Or how come you're not ordering more? It's like, that wasn't available this round. It's not, we're not Walgreens. We don't get to order Costco. cupcakes, you know, in the chocolate or strawberry variety every week. Maybe this week they only had strawberry, you know? So it's we an diversity to the products that are offered to us, but um, we try to make those decisions, not just from a typical business standpoint, a typical business would say, Hey, you know, we're going to look at sales summary report and say, we're not going to order this any product anymore because we're not selling too many. But we also will take into consideration, all right, maybe this is a, a patch and it's a product, yeah, we don't sell a lot of, but it's very medically relevant. The people who want it, need it, not want it. So we are going to continue to carry that product. We're going to continue to order maybe smaller quantities and figure out what that perfect spot is. But that's another different thing just in how we operate. And from a non-regulatory standpoint, things that we try to do. You know, for our consumers and our patients, that's just Mm -hmm. a little bit different from a traditional retail back, you know.
0: Yeah, it's a a complex industry. It is. It's fun,
2: though. If it wasn't hard, they wouldn't need me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm glad that it's difficult because it's still, it's so new. It's so new that it's still illegal, by the way,
2: you know. Uh, And and it's just one of those deals where it's
0: like, hey, remember back when the industry was not quite legal? Well... Yeah. yeah, but then there's some people that are they're behind me that like remember the industry when it just was not legal and, and they were still doing it. And, um, man,
2: it's funny to me, like how you know the whole basis of this is operating compliance and how strict it is. And, but also sometimes when we think about pushing some envelope or some boundary with a promotion <laughs> or a gimmick and we get that pushback. You know, at the same time, in the back of my mind, I think, well, we didn't get here by following the rules. This is illegal. Like, I mean, where where do we... So all of a sudden, now we're just, we're compliant, and we just do everything this way and no way other. But we would not have the industry had we all done that forever.
0: Well, we could start suing the state. But then, like, that's one of those deals where, uh, how much do you want to bite the hand that's feeding you? Yeah. And then it becomes a different deal where, if it was federally legal, then you could see more lawsuits, you know, or maybe not necessarily lawsuits, would have, but really would do. Because if you sued the state, what they would do is they'd start changing the law to moot your claim. So you can just go to the source and buy off a politician and be like, we want this. We want it to say this. But you know, the your federal point,
2: makes it so confusing too. So, you know, not to bring up a whole side thing, we talk about marketing and restrictions. I swear that other people can... So if you're an MSO that operates in a different state that has different advertising rules and you have a shared Facebook or Instagram account, and all of a sudden you're sharing something to your Illinois audience, but the post originated out of Colorado. Now you've worked around it because you're saying that's not an Illinois originated post. The message of that marketing campaign wasn't geared towards us. We just reshared it on our platform. But that's with intent. People are doing that with intent. They're developing content in other states for our state and Mm. sharing it on platforms from those, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's silly that we even have to do that, you know, it's
0: it's <laughs> yeah. really, really ridiculously silly. But that's another one of the reasons that you just look at it and you go, guys, do we have any rights here? I mean, you legalized it and then you you immediately put uh, under extreme servitude all the license holders that and they're just at your beck and call. It's like, please, can I yeah, here you go here? Thank you for my privilege of having this. And, and then you you wonder um, why it's set up that way. I mean, it, what was the policy goal here? I thought it was just wrong to have this plant be illegal and it should be a licensed, regulated uh, industry. And, and then they go, no, it's going to be more like a privilege.
1: Well, that's because yeah. there's a lot of trickle-down stupidity from, from prohibition, right? Like even in the algorithm, it's like we didn't smoke throughout this whole thing. But do you feel that we're being flagged right now for being 18 plus? Over conversation about policy and you know and operating a business which is dumb and it's like there's nothing spicy about this conversation about the but the plan itself
0: yeah, right. yeah. well uh, the regulations are what they are and the law is where it's at and one day i really do hope it changes but uh we've been doing this podcast now for about three years a little bit more it hasn't changed you know and then it, and then it legalizes in your state and then you just kind of watch it and it's like oh wait here come lawsuits frozen in amber, you know, and, and so then you see other states like <laughs> Oklahoma that just get 12,000 licenses within four years, and and they have all this product that comes out of there, but then the people complain that there's no way to make money in that, uh, so yeah, the, the real truth, I guess, lies somewhere in between, right?
2: Absolutely, and and you know, just to be cliche with cannabis in general, just breaking the stigmas, and I know it's a long haul, you know, like you said, maybe it's been three years, but I got two young kids and I'm trying to normalize. I mean, I think that, you know, me having a career that supports them and they go to a private Catholic school. I mean, it's nice. No, I don't shield what my kids. Um, they, I think they're on right now with my wife. She said, is it weird that we have them watch? I said, this is what I do for a living. This is my job that supports them. And, yeah. and they know that we talk about it. I mean, you know, I'm not at one point I said, you got to be careful. I don't want other parents to judge you based on what I do. But also yeah. when I say that to you, I want you to know I'm not. I'm super proud of what I do. Your dad mm-hmm. loves what he does, and I tell my kids that they know exactly what I do, and I'm proud of it. So nice, and that's that's where it starts. When they get some power one day, maybe the world will be a better place.
0: Let's hope so, <laughs> yeah. because you know, I do the same thing with my kids, and like I've taken her to uh, trade shows, and it's uh, you're, you're taking your baby to a weed trade show? Oh yeah, dude, that's my right. yeah, Yep.
2: yep. my twenty. I mean, 20- why not? You know, yeah. I mean, we got to bust the stigma down, and I think. You know, we're doing a good job of it. It's setting a good example that this could be an industry populated with, you know, great people that want to do great things. You know, it's not all about greed and power. I'm just I'm just here to be happy and support my family. And I think we're doing a good job of that. I hope anyway. So, yeah, well,
1: right. If they're happy. It's counts. Yep. That's it, man.
2: Yep. Shoot. My, uh, my
1: 20-year-old and 17-year-old don't have a concept of what prohibition is like, you know, living in an illegal state for the past eight years. So it's 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 definitely something that they don't have the same paranoia and freak out that I had when I was about their age. Neat, I know, know because yeah, with
2: my 11-year-old, she's going on 12. And I think that just me being in the industry and just being so normal and those are the conversations we have. I honestly think she's bored. I don't think she cares. I think when I try that's to right. talk to her, she's like, I know what you do. That's cool. Whatever. Like, <laughs> oh, that's what one I'm of saying? the. Like, yeah. I feel like when there's, when you hold it back or you hide it, then kids get really curious and they want to Seriously, know, like, oh, though. What do you, what's locked up? Over? What do you keep locked up over here? What right. are you about <laughs> over here? Uh, you know, yeah. talk about it all the time. They're just bored. They're like, yeah, my dad's still this, Whatever. Yeah, it's old people
0: <laughs> stuff. Evidently, when we get older, like. You need stuff to help. I'm like, yeah, that's right. It's it's old people stuff.
2: Uh,
0: it is <laughs> not cool whatsoever, you know. And then because the uh, the the stigma and the mystique of it being forbidden is gone, uh, and now it's just accepted. And and so that's really where the plant can do its most good. It usually isn't for the people who consume it the most. You know, the uh, that I shouldn't say 18 because they aren't allowed to buy it. The 21 to 28 year olds. Uh, it, it should really be for everybody because. When you're 28 you're fine you know uh usually like you're fine <laughs> yeah. i didn't sleep last night but i'm 28 mm-hmm. you yeah. know and yeah. and so when you get into your 40s and stuff and or even your 30s and then beyond shit starts to break and you're like ah i need some uh pain reliever or uh, having a really stressful day uh the the job is just insufferable stuff like that you know um or or the kids are yelling
2: but uh, all of you that. can all, uh,
0: of, all that. of that, <laughs> and you can manage that crap. Uh, it's 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 fantastic that the plant has come as far as it has. But I really hope that it gets you know even more open. It's not it's it's still got a lot to do. Hey, we did it. We made it to 420 in Illinois.
2: 420.
0: <laughs> you got that bumper there, Miggy? Hmm. I got it. You. We try to do that like uh, 20 past the hour in the first hour. He missed it. We were talking about weed, but we actually at
1: uh, 4:20. <laughs>
2: we
0: did,
1: yeah. But Eric, I really want a
2: cowbell every single day, seven days a week, at 4:20 in, in the dispensary. And oh, cool. I love the fact that that's not a requirement. That's nothing that I started. It just started with everybody being so excited. Well, we got a vibe there. They started doing like a. Woo Round of applause, and then it escalated to a guy brought in a, a cowbell from home and bell
1: oh, cool.
2: every day, six days a week. We actually close at four o'clock on Sundays, but six ah. days a week at four twenty, yeah. And you'll have customers who've not been in at that hour before or something. like. Whoa! Did I, you know, they <laughs> walk to the floor, and we just we ring it, and everybody hoots and hollers. So, hey, Before is it anybody day, man? We love yeah, it. Yeah.
0: with the uh, the location that's there over on uh, Glen. Uh, has anybody rented the adjacent space, or is that still open?
2: Um, it's still open. You know, I don't. The owners have had a couple of different visions for it, but it's just nothing's really panned yeah. out. Um, yeah. I don't want to speak for them. I personally would love to see a consumption lounge. I just don't yeah. think is ready yet. I mean, honestly. Yeah,
0: there's that. And then that was the other thing. I don't know if you know, is they were supposed to open a consumption lounge called High Harbor. And um, do you know anything about when that's going to be open?
2: So, I mean, it's it's completely different from us. We work with yeah. that group. Um, but hmm. yeah, I know they're doing a lot of events that they're, they're rocking with some outdoor events and some summer concerts and stuff like nice. that. I think they're still working on the rehab on the inside. But yeah.
0: Yeah stuff takes forever to build
2: <laughs> especially now supply chain issues and everything oh my god yeah.
0: yeah well you know <laughs> thanks so much for coming on <laughs> it was a it was a good deep dive into the highly regulated um industry that is cannabis retail in the state of Illinois maybe it's a little bit different in your state but uh if you're watching from Florida, New York, maybe New Jersey uh fairly the same i'm sure like in washington state or in i don't know how oregon's is how regulated that is or colorado but okay. um even uh, california is fairly highly regulated so is michigan but they have deli style it's great
2: Fair. going to michigan yeah going to michigan <laughs> and
0: i'm lobbying for changing the regulations and so anyway um thanks for sticking around everybody big shout out to all the members smoke them if you got them we'll see you later thank you Thanks.
1: you Ground
0: chicken breast.